Welcome to Reliability Leader, a podcast about how leaders make organizations that create reliable technology. Well, hello, everybody. Today, I want to talk with you about the motto for lightning fast reliability. And the motto is robust ready and risk guidance. So what is robust ready? Robust ready is when we early in our development program, immediately after we turn on that prototype and see it work, we begin to focus on not looking to measure reliability, not looking to see how the design continues to work. We are going to look for failures as quickly as we possibly can. Why do we do this? Well, traditionally, after we get our prototype working, we get a congratulations, and the next question is, how reliable is it? And the actions that are intended are to start measuring reliability, to start getting as many cycles as you can, and to begin to report on how the product is performing. Well, there you can save a tremendous amount of money with an alternative method. The alternative method is to, when asked how reliable your new product is, that you just finished your prototype, instead of going off and spending tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars and weeks and weeks or months, simply at the next meeting, go back and tell them the reliability stinks. We didn't have to do any testing. We just know that because the reliability of all prototypes really stink. And what we then want to do after that shocking statement is tell them about the idea of robust ready. And what we need to do is make the reliability better, not measure what we already know make the reliability better. And this doesn't happen by continuing to run it in these nominal conditions, um, explaining away any issues that occur or just saying, oh, you know, we're just gonna fix that and not including it in the data set. The way you make it robust is you do things to it that induce failure modes. You might do a bit of a halt philosophy where you take things beyond use cases to see what these failures look like. And the value there is that you might be seeing failures you only see with larger sample sizes um, and in different ways. But by getting to observe what's the first thing that breaks when the stresses are stepped, you have a chance to fix it. And it, it might be something that would occur from a manufacturing defect. The next is having to find your use cases and what the stresses are. Our real reliability measurement is that usually the 95th percentile user use case are higher. <clears throat> so these aren't the nominal values. Remember, if you design this and test it at nominal values and it passes, that means that potentially half of the users will have a failure because they're going to be on that bell curve off the other side. So this isn't very valuable. We need to know it can perform at the higher end. Now, we don't necessarily have to go to the extreme, to the, you know, turn everything up to 10 of every possible stress to the, you know, corner case of every use case, because that can backfire as well. You may have a very small percentage of users that even might go to that corner case, you know, 0.1%. So when failures occur, 
the issue is people are going to dismiss them again. They're going to say, well, you know, this costs way too much to to satisfy an improved robustness to, so you don't get this failure in this corner case. No one's going to get that. And they are totally correct. So the they have a solid argument that you could have. But the problem is now you've wasted a lot of test time. And what you really want to do is find out if that same failure occurs at the 95th percentile. That's where it matters. That's where you need to take action. And you don't have that opportunity to know if that is something that only occurs between you know 95 and 99 or can that occur at 80. So it's not usually uh, recommended to do that. Uh, what's recommended is to, in advance, discuss what use case you want to design to, what percentile of the use cases. And it has to be agreed upon and really agreed upon. Like everybody has that meeting where they all sat down and agreed and everybody, let's say, signed the meeting notes. Because very quickly, uh, when issues start happening and we don't want to address them, we don't want to extend the program schedule, um, you know, we begin to negotiate them away and we need to say, no, we agreed that under this 95th percentile use case that we will in fact um, you know, address these issues. So if we are approaching this from the standpoint of trying to find uh, failures as quick as possible and that they are effectively food for our brains to make the design better, um, we can't do that on our own. You can't only do that as the technical team. Leadership has to be on board as well. Here's why. If leadership's mindset is that you are just going to come back every week and report how great the design's doing and we're going to stay exactly on schedule, um, you're going to be in a situation where you're forced to effectively hide the observed issues and try to in secret fix them, which really isn't possible because that takes resource and it takes time to do it correctly. So then what happens is plan B is we'll fix it in the field. We'll do a limited release, fix it in the field, or we'll get that in 2.0. And before you know it, you are releasing a product with known issues, which sounds crazy when you say it outside of the situation. But in the situation, as we get more and more desperate um, and stay on that schedule timeline, that's a, you know, I always call it a freight train because you can't stop it. It has way too much momentum. You can't easily stop it. Um, we find ourselves in those situations. So we have to educate leadership to become of the same mindset that simply your design has a lot of failure modes, a lot of different types of failure modes. And over enough time, all the combinations that are needed to expose them will occur. So if that's a truth, if that's the truth, your design has a lot of different failure modes that are right there in that perfect little prototype that's running perfectly in their nominal conditions. Who do you want to have find those failure modes that without a doubt exist, whether you see, you know, whether you choose to pursue them or not? Do you want to find them or do you want your customer to find them? Well, what you want to do is set yourself on a quest to where you are trying to find as many as possible before the customer gets it, gets it in their hands. And that comes from the robust, ready strategy. But leadership has to be in that mindset too. They have to flip to instead wanting to see the reliability grow each week. They want to see failures. They almost don't care what you're measuring. What you want is for them to be in a mindset of almost being or actually being disappointed 
if you come back the next week and say, oh yeah, it's running great, everything's fine. That should be suspect of a design that's not being run in the higher percentile use cases. Those higher percentile use cases are actually the use cases the customer is gonna run it in. So if you aren't running it that way, and you say everything's fine, and then you send it out to the field and they run it that way, they're the ones who get to find it. And customers don't like to be on your reliability team. They don't wanna be finding issues. They're not good at that job. They don't like reporting it and they aren't cooperative. And the company obviously incurs a tremendous amount of expense in addressing issues in the field versus you know, back um, in the development program. And not just a simple direct expense of engineering time and warranty cost, expense such as brand damage, expense such as having that engineering team stay on the project much longer than they had to, and they're not developing the next generation technology. That's a great way to get behind the competitors where you effectively have a, a fraction of your resource in product development because they're occupied with fixing issues in a much slower manner because it's in a released product. So what's a way to help us guide this, right? How do we uh, fix this balance between trying to create as many issues as possible and having to get a product out there that performs? Well, there's another uh, term uh, that I like to use called time to reliability. And I created this term because it seemed like time to market was not a, often an honest term, right? It's the, the intended definition is time to market is when the program is done and the product's out in the market. And the implication is that the engineering team can move on to the next, you know, next product. And, uh, you know, we kind of bring it to a conclusion. Now, in truth, there's not, if you are releasing a product and the engineering team is staying on there to deal with issues, and issues might even be increasing now that the customer is running it in the real use cases, is that, did you really hit time to market? I mean, the implication is we're done with development and we can move on, but we aren't. So... Instead of just constantly arguing, you know, time to market uh, as being when the resource comes off versus when the data goes out, the term time to reliability allows us to create a second mark in the schedule. And time to reliability, you can choose a couple ways to define it, but effectively the intent is that at this point the product has met its reliability goals. And one symptom of this is that resource can be reallocated to other projects. Resource can be let go. The design team is not engaged in the same way they were previously. You might decide to say, oh, it's, you know, you might decide that time to reliability is when the continuous engineering team is engaged at 80% and only, you know, 10% of the original development team is, you know, spending 10% of their time on it. That might be time to reliability. But once we've created that metric, now um, we are being a little more honest and we can begin to really get that ROI measurement for investment and reliability, for turn on investment and reliability that helps with that negotiation earlier in the project. Here's how that would work. When you find an issue with the design and you are going to be suggesting, hey, we need to fix this, we need more design time, I think the program is going to be extended by at least three weeks, what leadership may see is only the cost side of that or project management. Like this is going to cost us three weeks and, you know, an extra $40,000. That's horrendous. 
But if you can show, maybe from a past program, the true time to reliability versus the time they released it on the market, the time to reliability for an issue uh, was shown to actually be three months, you know, instead of three weeks and cost exponentially more, the rules of 10, that every phase in a program you catch an issue, it costs 10 times more. And, you know, you very easily could take an issue that would have cost $50,000 and it cost a million dollars easily. Uh, being caught in the field over the next year. I mean, think of trying to root cause things in the field, replacing product, engineering, trying to work in the field instead of in their design process. So once you show that, all of a sudden, that offer to address the issue when you found it, um, you know, in just three weeks and $50,000 becomes the bargain of a lifetime when you look at the alternative. But the alternative isn't evident unless you have that time to reliability measurement. So I said the motto is robust, ready, and risk guidance for lightning fast reliability. What's risk guidance? Well, risk guidance is a part is a little bit before the robust, ready part, which is has to do with using testing tools once units are available. Risk guidance is earlier in the design process where you are using critical risk assessment, risk in design, risk in manufacturing, risk in use, uh, any risk categories you feel are relevant, and you are doing a quantitative measurement of risk to help you guide where you put resource and where you focus. The reason for this is to pretend that you can solve every issue and reduce every risk in a product before it's released uh, is not realistic. That's just not, not the case. What you're looking to do is to mitigate as much risk as possible and to solve as many issues as possible. So that means we need to have some kind of way of prioritizing how we approach design and you know, making a, uh, developing the design and making the design robust. So a term I like here is the idea of we want to go after the critical few, not the trivial many. Because if we have 100 you know, high-risk items that we've identified through tests or analysis, maybe DFMEAs or risk matrices, um, that's overwhelming. And we might just kind of take this shotgun blast way to it where we pick a couple and go after them, pick a couple more, go after them as much as we can. Um, and you end up, your resource gets very thin. The progression on each individual issue is very slow. And it's very likely you're not, you're gonna have a lot of partially done design improvements, you know, as you get towards the end of the program. Well, partially done doesn't really add a lot of benefit. What makes more sense is to go after the critical few. Critical few, few could be three risks, four risks, five risks. But through analysis, you've realized those five risks, that's like 70% of what could drive a high failure mode. And those other 93 risks are the other 30%. So those critical few are where we want our resource to go because that will have the biggest impact. And <clears throat> so the... That's an, a very important aspect because this lines us up also to be better lined up for a robust ready because we also know where the risks are, the risks we've addressed and the risks that are coming up next. So as we're trying to create failure modes as fast as possible with robust ready, 
um, we will have an idea of what tests we want to do. Because again, there's many ways you can try to expose failure modes. But having some kind of sense of where you're targeting is a, a great benefit. So I hope that's helpful. Um, I hope you find the lightning fast reliability method interesting, and I hope that model helps capture some of the essence of what's there. And we'll talk again soon. Take care.